This is The People's Show with Bik Nizar and Randeep Janda. Final hour of The People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Also, this hour of the People Show, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Machinery, your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. Thanks for making us part of your day on the pod, live. On the stream, Sportsnet at Sportsnet650, at Bick Nazar, at Randy Janda. Speaking of five-star reviews, if you're uh, subscribed to the pod, or subscribing to the pod, slap a five-star review on there. Damn right, and make sure... write whatever you want. You can, yeah, you can can rip us, I don't care. As long as there's a five-star review, you can say whatever you want. Be be funny, too. Yeah, five-star reviews only, that's it. Yeah. You know, in a normal week, when Big Six doesn't do well... Oh, just one, go to go one to the star for every dub <laughs> no, this weekend. No, 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 no. no, no. That's just this week. Game. Just this week. That's we don't want that to be a game. thing. You, you have a bad so week concerned. next week. Come on now, Vic. So concerned. Don't get, don't get too arrogant. Buy in on the hype. Come on, guys. I mean, it was long. Like, as we're... Th- th- it was due. This is your last chance to do like the Warren Buffett thing. Like buy low. This is your last chance because people are like just dipping their toe back in the water. Like, I, don't I don't know. Okay, it's one of two know. things. It's either buy low or it's AMC that's just peaking right now. It's going to fall. No, <laughs> I equate it more to AMC. It's more like Bitcoin. It's very volatile from week to week. It's Game, very volatile. GameStop. Oh, look, again, I said earlier, got to earn the trust back. Nice week. I'm not bragging. Great it was, week. It was a nice week. I, for one, was shocked and impressed. I, I didn't, Fine. you know, Jamie and I ripped it apart on Especially Friday. the way it started. It started rough. It started rough, but five straight. That's a strong way to strong way to start it off. I'll admit I was a little surprised. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But I was stressed, man. I was stressed all day yesterday. Try, trying to enjoy the games, just like, oh my goodness. Cleveland, don't do this. You led the whole game. And then this rookie kicker launched it. Gonna hit it from 65. Did the fade? All the, the, the Panthers players on the field started celebrating. Okay. And then the, the fade in and crushed that kick, and Baltimore was good. Sorry, Dom. Good week for Big Six. Yeah. Uh, while we're at it, the People Show Fantasy Football League. Yep. I lost to Uber Cool Rick. Yeah, Vincibles. The, the Vincibles lost. Yeah. Uh, they were vinced. Uh, <laughs> we got. Dom, I did you win or lose? I won big. You won, and Big, you lost. I lost by a point. You ain't first. Yeah. You last. That's fine. I would love it if the Vincibles went 0 and what? 14? Yeah, I, harsh. I think I put up like 80-something, so there's a chance I might actually. Rough look. Rough look, but big shout-outs to all those uh, that made it into the league, uh, your contributions. Uh, either you won turf trivia or you earned your way in. Uh, big shout-out to those that uh, got into the league. Some big winners uh, early on in week one, but it's a it's a long season. Long season. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's wrap up turf trivia. We just did it on the other side. We asked you for a, a pair of tickets. To Saturday night's main event, September 24th, WWE coming to the Pacific Coliseum. Geno Smith was the second quarterback taken in the 2013 NFL draft. Who was the first? Randy, what's the answer? So Geno Smith was pick 39. Pick 16 was the first quarterback 
Buffalo Bills, EJ Manuel. Remember him? Oh. So I had to look him up a little bit because I I don't follow EJ Manuel's career all that closely. Don't have the uh, Twitter alerts or Google alerts set for EJ Manuel? No. And and honestly, those alerts haven't been going off very often (laughs) of late. He retired in 2019. Last signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. So there you go. Something like that. EJ Manuel, the correct answer. Got a lot of them. Some people coming in with Tyler Wilson. He was taking fourth round. Come on, put some respect on Gino's name. Congratulations to Abbotsford and Bo, who ends up winning the tickets to the WWE. Do you guys remember who preceded EJ Manuel? He was there for a few years, actually. Uh, four to be exact. Mm. Sorry, like a rookie or like the, the QB? In the Buffalo. QB, the starting QB before EJ Manuel. Who was it? He was there for four years, four seasons. Uh, that's Pretty cute. well-known quarterback. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's magic. I, I thought maybe it was a He might question. be the next quarterback in Dallas. I'm not even joking. Would you be surprised if he came out of retirement? Not at all. He's what? a gunslinger. Yeah, would you rather Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cam Newton, or trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay, there's... Ooh. with Fitzpatrick, Actually, I, I know a Cowboys fan. I'm just going to text him that right now. Okay. With Fitzpatrick, you know it's going to be really bad or it's going to be amazing and he's going to take over the NFL. Yeah. Like, it's boom or bust. With Cam Newton, it's going to be meh. And that offense is going to work probably with him. You're going to have to change it around, as Gary Gramling, Gramling mentioned in the last hour. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be great. And then at some point... He's Dak, working TV, though. At some point, Dak comes back from his injury and he can take over. Fitz Magic in Dallas, in Jerry's world. Now, mind you, he's never been to the playoffs, right? Fitz Magic? Fitz feels like the Cowboys have ah, a tough time with that, too. I, I'm pretty sure Fitzpatrick has never made the playoffs. Dom, you can fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Because that was the big... When he was with the Jets, they had a chance, right? They went ten and six, yeah, I think, and, and they and lost they week lost, seventeen. No, no, no. They they didn't make the playoffs because of strength of schedule. Right. Okay, it was a tiebreaker. But I I recall like that being a thing. I'm pretty sure Ryan Fitzpatrick has never led a team to the playoffs. Yeah, the Cowboys aren't going anyway, so just at least they'll make it entertaining. Fits the mold. Fits the mold. Uh, all right. A lot to get into. While Dom fact checks that. F one. We didn't uh, do the preview. Short show on uh, Friday. Yeah, there was a lot going on as well with other sports and, and a lot going on Friday. But Sorry, just really quickly. Yep. Big shout out to uh, Bo for winning that ticket. Yep. You'll have another chance at tickets tomorrow for that. Uh, but we do have another prize on the way for Don't At Me. So we can get those submissions in. We'll do that in about 10 minutes. But F1 preview. Review. The Italian GP at Monza, which is uh, known as the Temple of Speed when it comes to the... That's a great nickname. Mm-hmm. Interesting race this weekend. So Max Verstappen wins yet again, which he is two wins shy of Michael Schumacher's single season record. Ho hum, just keeps talking. Seven about races me. left, and he's got to hit two more wins to rival and be at that same level as Michael Schumacher. This weekend it. pissed me off, by the way. And I'm getting to that. Yeah, there was controversy. Race ended. The race ended on a yellow flag. Daniel Ricciardo, who was actually running a very good race, and then his car failed him, and his engine failed. His power unit just went dead. But instead of having a red flag to, to suspend the race and restart, they ran a, a yellow flag. Virtual which is safety car. Virtual safety car, and then they actually went to the yellow flag. So you don't stop the race. You just kind of go at a, nobody can pass. And while the car is getting cleaned up and moved out of the way, you, run, you just run laps, and it, they take laps off, of, off the race. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. The crew couldn't actually move this car. They brought the cherry picker out, and it took longer than expected. In that case, it probably makes sense to do a red flag so you can actually move the car and then restart the race. They didn't do that. 
They ran it under a yellow. They ended the race on a yellow flag because it was taking too long to end the race. Which is an interesting move because a lot of people, including Ferrari, who actually had a very good car this weekend, changed their tires. Charles Leclerc was ready to go. Yet, they didn't have a restart and the race ended as is with Max Verstappen winning behind a yellow flag, which a lot of people, including Ferrari, ticked off. But going back last year, in Abu Dhabi, what happened? Lewis Hamilton was supposed... He didn't have a chance to, to change his tires. Max Verstappen had fresh tires, and they ended up restarting the race rather than going with a red flag, rather than, you know, all of that. So people this past weekend were saying, wait a second, Max Verstappen... Benefits of a yellow flag. Last year... The, the controversy from the end of last year... Exactly. ...reemerges today. And, and so there was a lot of confusion, a lot of anger this weekend. Dom, what were your thoughts on that? I didn't understand why they couldn't finish the race. Like, by the last lap, the track was clear, was it not? If I remember the correctly. The final lap, but yeah. you, you had to unlap the cars, and everybody started pitting to change tires, so the Makes order no was messed up. They probably needed one more lap to do that, but by that point, it was already too late. They had delayed in... Mm -hmm. Making that decision, which it left a weird taste in the mouth of everybody, except everybody. Red Bull. They should have red flagged. They should have red flagged and started the race. So is that one like, lap to go? Is that like Elam ending? You were like, we're ending it here no matter what. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. It was like, hey, you know, that was like an NFL tie, essentially. Yeah. It, that's what it was. Yeah. It was an NFL tie to say. Uh, so if you're a Colts fan, you're like, oh my God, I watched F1 much. and my team tied today. I, I, okay. Another thing ticked me off from F1 this weekend. And I don't know who this lies with, whether it's F1 or the broadcaster, but the folks at Monza this weekend were ticked off with the end of the, the result and the, the way the, the race ended. So when Max Verstappen goes up to do his post-race interview, they're booing cr like, like crazy. I don't know who did this. I don't know whose call it is, but they muted the crowd noise. Oh, really? Rather than letting the boos ring out for an international mm -hmm. audience, they cut the crowd noise for reputational risk, I imagine, which is BS because fan mm -hmm. outreach and fan experience is a part of this. Who cares if they're not happy? Essentially, they're muzzling the, the fan experience. So the race result itself, Dom, was, yeah, it was weird. It, was, it was silly. Solid. But even yeah. the whole fact of this is a reputational risk that our champion is getting booed, who cares? That's Comes with the territory. That to yeah. me was an embarrassment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we move on, though, CanCon, friend of the show, Nick Latifi. Yeah, so... Oh, he's awful. He's not good. He <laughs> is. Like, I'm just like, we could... So, if anything... I mean, we got to check in on the Canadians. If anything, Nick Latifi is probably out of a job due to this weekend. Right. Nick DeVries, who is the fill-in driver for Williams, Alex Albon has appendicitis. They had to sub in some guy real quick. Nick DeVries ran a very good race for Williams, picked up points in P9, whereas Latifi was way back there. And if there's one person to replace Latifi, that was probably this week. And Nick DeVries showed that he's capable of doing that. And unfortunately for Lance Stroll, the other Canadian who refused to come on this show. He's a drama queen. He, his, his, his car failed. He was actually yeah. running a decent race. His car failed. But I just want to specify yet again, he refused to come on this there show. There was a meme that was going around Formula One Twitter uh, yesterday that in a 20-driver uh, lineup... Uh, Nick Latifi is currently 21st in uh, the championship somehow because DeVries picked up points and Latifi has yet to do so. This and to, honest, honestly, uh, Hulkenberg's also ran some race, uh, ran, yeah. ran one race. He might even be a better racer than he, I know he's friend of the show, Vic. Right. He, we talked to him. He's a he's a great guy. 
he's not on the grid next year. Having a tough season. Couple of seasons. Yeah. All right. Uh, and next race. Singapore night race in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we got a bit of a gap here, right? So you got some time. Alex Albon could get healthy by then. If not, Nick DeVries could run another race potentially. But Singapore is cool because it is one of the few night races. The visuals are amazing. So even if you don't care about F1, you've probably seen the shot of downtown Singapore shut down at night. Unbelievable. But we got a couple of weeks off here. Uh, with Max winning, so the overall chase, like yeah. Max is on his own class here. One more win, probably, yeah. and he clinches the title. The team race? The Constructors' Championship, they're I, in full control right yeah. now. But previously, we talked about how the race is for second. Ferrari has been picking up points the last couple of races, so this will be will be a good one because Ferrari is now at least getting to the end of a race. Previously, their car was failing. <laughs> they had DN, you know, DNFs. Yeah. If they continue to pick up points... It's going to be tougher for Mercedes. Because they finished second and fourth this week? Yes. And then Mercedes was third and fifth with Lewis Hamilton in fifth, George Russell another podium. So Perez further down the, uh, the group. Yeah, and he was, his car did have some issues, so he had to take a pit stop. So it didn't pick up points, but to be honest, Red, Red Bull doesn't, if they keep on winning with Max sure. Verstappen, they can kind of be, like Sergio Perez could be their guinea pig where they just try new things with his car. They don't even have to pick up that many points. But to your point, the, the real excitement is... Ferrari Mercedes. and Mer uh, Mercedes, they're for, for second. And especially with George Russell. Guys picking up podiums, a lot of them. Can he establish himself as the third guy or, you know, the fourth driver in this behind Verstappen, behind Leclerc and Sergio Perez consistently? Can he can he compete with signs and surpass signs consistently enough? So a couple of weeks to get ready for uh, Singapore GP. Uh, also yesterday, uh, we saw the... U.S. Open come to its conclusion uh, with Alcaraz winning. Young, young man getting uh, the U.S. Open Championship. And an exciting journey throughout the tournament. You mentioned uh, the center match, how pumped up you were to watch that one, the quarterfinal. Yep. And Alcaraz tops off a rather magical two weeks there, uh, winning the U.S. Open. It's, look, a, a, a player that I think is ready to take that next step. There's some other guys who have won majors. Dominic Team has obviously got one. Exciting player. I don't know if there's been a player that's captured the universal imagination of tennis fans or just sports fans in general, like Alcaraz in recent memory. I think so much of it is the way he plays. Yeah, like Medvedev yeah. is a good player, kind of plays the villain role and embraces the villain role, to and be he's honest. fundamentally sound. Yeah, like a, a really, really good player. Yeah. There's other really strong players. I don't know if there's a like a, a more universally liked young upstart tennis player right now than Alcaraz. Alcaraz plays the game so fast where there's just that level of excitement. And Novak Djokovic has played, at certain points, extremely fast as well. But when you look at Alcaraz and you talk about the aggression that he plays with, it kind of reminds you of a young Rafa, right? Where just mm -hmm. Rafa is probably more powerful, but the just keeping your head down and doing your job and, and being so aggressive. Alcaraz at 19 showed that off. Man. But but there's a certain roboticness to Djokovic and Nadal. Yes. There's there's, there's moments, personality here. There's moments of emotion from Rafa. But like there is like you see it all on the court from yep. Alcaraz. There's the aggression in Rafa's game, but the personality doesn't shine through. He's he's kind of robotic as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's he's like a machine. And that's why he's been really good over the years. Alcaraz shows personality. After he wins a match, just staring up into the rafters. Like that little, mm -hmm. there's a little Cristiano Ronaldo in his, in his celebration, right? 
which is great for tennis. It gives you an idea of in the future, like as long as this guy stays healthy, because you play the game that hard, hopefully at 19 years old, he can keep that going. And, and we've got, we're talking about a player staying on the top of his game for a, a number of years, but there's just an excitement in his game. And Casper Ruud, remember, yep. really good player. It's his second final in a Grand Slam this year. Alcaraz made it look easy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, number one player in the world right now. And the question you ask is, what we've always been asking, who is the next guy once yeah. the big three kind of eventually move away? Cal- Carlos Alcaraz at the front of that lineup after this one. The, the big worry for tennis is going from this golden era of that big three. Now, Djokovic will still hang around, don't get me wrong. But you didn't want a Michael Jordan to Kwame Brown kind of drop off. Oh, man. Of like, hey, this is what it's like now. Because that, to me, is the most staggering drop-off of yeah. talent of like, hey, here's this next wave. It was dark there for the NBA for a while, trying to find their next guy. And it took a while. Kobe makes his emergence. LeBron gets there. Like, MJ had to come back to kind of bridge the gap and say, hey, there's exciting things here. There was maybe this fear of tennis. And look, there have been some exciting players. I mentioned them. Yeah. Dominic Team, who, really skillful player, but like, has fallen off a bit. Well, look at the women's side, right? Yeah. After Serena, it's always been, even though there's been some really skilled players, and Naomi Osaka had her her time, you know, Sviatek is, is doing an, an unbelievable job doing it her way, but there's always been that kind of one year it's somebody, the next year it's somebody else, it, it, kind of passing it on, whereas on the men's side a little bit, if, if Alcaraz can keep it going, he's got that star quality. Well, I would say this is the first player I feel like we can sit here and say, Okay, now this is going to be exciting for that next wave. Because Medvedev, again, plays that villain. Uh, Sasserverev comes with some off the court, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a lot of trepidation, a skilled player. Nick Kyrgios, we don't need to go detail. We don't even know if he wants to play, really. Yeah, right? Uh, like Sissy Pass is also another player that's shown highs and, and There's lows. a major love-hate relationship with some of these guys. Felix Ojealiasim, again, still emerging, still developing. This is the first time you say it like, wow, this could be a lot of fun and be a main draw for all these tournaments. Carlos Alcaraz. The most impressive thing probably about his game, outside of the speed, is his short-term memory. Like, he forgets valleys in his game immediately. As a 19-year-old, just saying, yep, I'm going to wipe that slate clean. That last point was the last point. And be able to bounce back. That's, that's what great players do when they just forget about it immediately. Big news are Randy Janda. Get your submissions in. We do it every day here on the People Show. Your chance to uh, get in a hot take. It's don't at me. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650 650. Don't at me. I said what I said. It's brought to you by Lease Busters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Lease Busters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to leasebusters.com to start the process today. We mentioned it. You got a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Vancouver Canadiens playoff game this Friday at the Nat. First pitch is at 7.05 canadiansbaseball.com. For more details, going to the playoffs is Eugene. Uh, you got a chance to win a pair of tickets. Best submission will win. We can confirm one Vancouver team is headed to the playoffs. I don't know about the others, but one for sure. Book it. 650-650, get your don't at me's in. Don't at me. Geno Smith will be good tonight. Geno Smith will Define be good. Define good. 
Don't at me. I'll define what that looks like tomorrow. All right. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, that was good. Okay, along the same lines, I got one here as well. That was a good, good performance by Gino. Don't at me. This is the high point of the Seahawks season. Being in first place in the NFC West by default because all of the other teams lost, the pain starts tonight. Is this the meme now? Stop the count? Stop the count. First place, baby. The pain starts tonight. It's open. Doors open. The Cardinals look bad, eh? I, I have just no faith that the Cardinals are going to take advantage of the Rams and Niners slipping up in week one. That team looked bad. It's a good point for the Seahawks. Let's see how long it lasts. I don't think it lasts very long. Uh, we got this one here from Rager. Don't at me, but after the first week of Big Six, Big's going to need to borrow Mark Mike McDaniel's wheelbarrow. Woo! Got a typo in the text there, Mark McDaniels. No, it's Mike it's McDaniels. It's fine. See, he's he's still unknown. Not for long. P people are waiting to trust him, just like uh, they are with Big Six. I get it. I get it. It's fine. Brad and uh, Cloverdale coming with this one. Don't at me. Canucks finished third in the Pacific. Uh, that was from Mike and Victoria? That was Brad and Cloverdale. Okay, sorry. Mike and Victoria uh, gave us his entire Western Conference standings. Colorado number one. St. Louis number two. Canucks number three, and four 30 goal scorers. Petey, Miller, Bo, and Besser. Mike and Victoria. All right. All right, we got uh, another one here coming in from Dan in Fort St. John. Don't at me, but Nick Latifi is this Louis Erickson equivalent. Kind of feels like it at this point. Come on. Hey, there's only 20 drivers in F1. He's not good. Uh, Rizzo from the Ridge, don't at me. The Niners will bench Trey Lance and then overlook Jimmy Handsome to sign some video game streamer. Okay. All right. All right. That's a take. Dr. Disrespect? Who is this? I have no idea. Uh, we got this one coming in from Jeff in East Hill. Don't at me. Russell Wilson will figure out he probably has it wrong and purchased a new house with 12 bathrooms and only two bedrooms. Well, it's four bedrooms. Yeah, four. Come on now. Uh, this one, don't at me, Glenn in Richmond. The GM of the Cowboys is as, influ as influential in their duties as the Attorney General of Canada. Basically a figurehead position as Jerry Jones is calling the shots and holding all the press conferences. Jerry does just does that. Minutes after the game, he's available. Okay, normally I'd say that's a huge part of the problem, and I've said in the past, but because it's the Cowboys, we'll allow it. Like, if an owner is meddling that much, you're saying, sure. hey, step away. Don't don't get involved. But because it's the Cowboys? Because it's the Cowboys, do whatever you want. No one's be more engaged. Nobody's lining up to see Mike Brown after Bengals games. No one's lining up to see Jeffrey Lurie for, uh, after an Eagles game. Or Steven Ross in Miami, thank thankfully. <laughs> yeah. But, but Jerry Jones, that star, I, I, I'm i stunned that he, he does it. It's called Jerry's World. It's not but, Mike McCarthy's World. Exactly. Right? Oh, we got this one coming in. Unsigned. Put your name on it. Don't at me. You won't see any 12s jerseys in Vancouver after this season. Hashtag empty the wagon. <laughs> I'm with you, unsigned texture. Oh, hey, look, if they get a no dub No flags tonight, at C City Hall this year. If they get a dub tonight, I think you'll see a lot of jerseys tomorrow. Think so? Uh, that was Hudge in Aldergrove. Hudge. Uh, this one, Mike in Willoughby. Not sure what the number is, 
but Russ will be sacked the same amount of times Gino throws the ball. Don't at me. What's the over-under on uh, completions? By Gino? Yeah. We'll check out our good friends at BCLC. I'm going to throw a number out there in the... Uh... You read the next one. I'll, I'll find this. All right. Here. We got this one. Cam from Delta. Don't at me. The boys not knowing Dr. Disrespect is big boomerish vibes. I imagine that's a gamer. All right. I only know Ninja. That's it. I'm not a boomer. Yeah. I am a millennial. though. Is that old yeah. now? I think it is. I'm, assu I'm assuming that's a streamer, which like, hey, man, shout out, but I'm not keeping up on uh, Dr. Disrespect. Yeah, this is a Game of Thrones stations, not a uh, not a Dr. Disrespect. No spoilers. I haven't uh, seen last night's. Okay. I haven't watched any yet. Not getting into House of the Dragon? I will eventually, but I sure. want like, you know, a good eight to ten episodes before I really get into it. I can binge. So you want the whole first season? Pretty much. Buy. Pretty much. Uh, I'm still trying to find Geno Smith here. Completions. All right. While you do that. Oh, here it is. Okay. Total passing completions for Geno Smith. 18 and a half. Yeah, you ain't getting sick. At our friends that uh, play now. Plus uh, 110 if you wanted to take it tonight. Okay. Okay. He's going to get sacked that much? All right. John from the Ridge coming in with, don't at me. The Houston Texans will have more wins than the Seahawks. Well, they didn't lose last night. No. Nope. Crushed me in Survivor. Or you had them losing. I, I had the Colts in Survivor. Oh, the Colts winning, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about Survivor League. You got to win. That's the people arguing with me in one of my leagues. It's like, hey, they didn't lose. It's like, no, the point is to survive. Win in advance. You don't win. You out. And I, I had to take the L, too. Oh, I'm, I'm down with the ship. All right. Imagine Survivor. Text in. Like, was there a lot of carnage in your Survivor leagues? Or is that happening tonight? Potentially yeah. with the Seahawks. Right? I'm, I'm assuming that's probably on a lot of people's list. We got this one. Unsigned, which I take a lot of disrespect to. But I won't add it. Don't at me. Just like Hartman is Minnesota's turtle, Randeep is the People Show turtle. <laughs> Hanging on for success. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Can't at you. Can't, Can't at, at you. you. Uh, all right, we'll uh, deliberate. Keep sending in your texts. We'll uh, think about them, talk about them, uh, figure out which one's the best one in the break. On the other side, Brendan Batchelor will join us. Voice Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, but keep sending in those submissions, 650-650. Got a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Vancouver Canadiens playoff game this Friday at the Nat. First pitch, 705. Pink Floyd's Roger Waters live in the round September 15th at Rogers Arena. Get your tickets now at rogerwaters.com. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, back in a minute. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. segment of the People Show. Back with you, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. This hour of the People Show, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Ma Machinery, your Kubota all-star team. AvenueMachinery.ca, DouglasLake.com. Vic Nazar and Randy Janda here with you. We'll connect with Brendan Batchelor in just a second. Back to school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are on now at Fido. Visit them in store or... At Fido.ca now. Batch over at the rink today. New players arriving. JT Miller in town. Paul Horvat in town at the rink. One of them with a new contract. One of them not. TBD. Mm -hmm. I mean, as Bo said, people got to go to work. Pat Morris. Patrick Alvine. They're going to work on it. The Patricks will be at work this uh, this season. 
Patrick he, Morrison he did also Patrick say, Delvey. yeah, he did also say, no, he won't impose a deadline. We'll see if that plays out. But that's why we've talked about it, is do you need training camp to be this de facto deadline? I personally don't, because I think it's better to play this out. I think my feelings have been well known on that. Yep. But just in general, I don't think there's a demand from fans. I think fans really wanted clarity on the JT Miller thing. And if it got into the season, it may have turned a bit ugly. I just, I think there's a certain level of forgiveness. Fans will extend to Bo Horvat, say, oh, you're playing this out. Yeah, I don't think there's any sort of deadline either. But you remember, there's the media's job to ask these questions. Yeah. There will be questions during the regular season. It will constantly come up. It will be an annoyance. It will be, you know, something that I'm sure... The player might get annoyed with, maybe management, and maybe even listeners to the station might get annoyed after a while as well, but it will be a talking point, even though there's no real deadline. Let's talk to him now. Brendan Batchelor here on Sportsnet 650. Batch, what's going on? Not too much, guys. How's it going? Uh, we're doing awesome. Uh, were, were you as tired as Bo Horvat was already today at the uh, contract questions? <laughs> no, not quite, um, <laughs> because I was asking a few of those yeah. questions, so I... I better not be tired of it because I probably will have to ask them again in two weeks and three weeks and four weeks and uh, however long it carries on for. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it is kind of interesting how the one talking point of JT Miller got sorted out and immediately the next talking point is Bo Horvat and those are going to be the questions for the next few weeks until they get a deal done. Like I really hope that they – they can get it done before training camp, and I know it's, you know, pretty pretty easy to say that without being in the room or being in the negotiations or or understanding some of the, the complex things at play. But I just want a season where we can actually focus on hockey going into the year and going into training camp, and don't have to worry about you know whose contract isn't signed yet or what restricted free agent isn't at camp or you know all of these different things, it would be a real breath of fresh air if on day one of training camp, Bo Horvat is already under contract and we can just talk about hockey and not any of these off-ice storylines that seem to have dominated the narrative over the last few years. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Even though there's no real deadline, so to speak, it just it would be nice to focus on the play on the ice. And one of those things that I'm sure the team will focus on this year is consistency. Bo Horvat mentioned that today in his availability. Uh, the beginning of this year and setting the tone, whether it's the leadership, whether it's the captain himself, just having that standard that maybe was, I think, criticized by the new management team and the level uh, that you're hitting in practice or the level that, you know, even when it came to the, the strength and conditioning of the team, how important is that going to be in this camp? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be very important. I think, you know, conditioning is always important for these guys. It goes without saying they're top-level athletes. One thing I think that Boudreaux is really going to focus on that is going to be important is getting their systems play set up really early because this is a year where they have to hit the ground running. And it's not going to be easy because they start with that big five-game road trip right off the bat that sends them out east. So, you know, it's not a great situation to start the year, but, you know, it goes without saying, you look at last year and, and how far behind they fell from the pack because of their poor start. And in the modern NHL, you just cannot make up ground that you lose early in the year. So this is a team that needs to make sure they're in the mix after the first month of the season, at the very least, if not 
you know, very much leading the pack, right? You want to have as good of a start to the season as you can so that if you have hiccups or bumps in the road or injuries or stretches where, you know, your power play isn't scoring and you can't win games down the stretch, it's not as magnified as it has been in recent years because you've already banked a bunch of wins early on in the season. But, you know, you look at last year in particular and really in general for the Canucks, you know, over the last half decade or so, they haven't given themselves that margin of error because they haven't started the year well. So uh, it goes without saying to me that if they can come out of the gates firing, if they can come back from that road trip above 500, if they can rack up some home ice wins in the later portion of the month of October, it, it sets them up a lot better to make a playoff push than if they struggle out of the gate. So I would imagine that's going to be a, a very big focus heading into training camp. Yeah, and Bo did mention that consistency as Randy brought up. And, you know, the two big factors for me coming into this year, Batch, are consistency and competitiveness. And I, I think, like, we'll figure that out real fast because, you know, Bo mentioned today, you know, having that culture of guys who hate losing. I, I'm not convinced we've seen that from this Vancouver group. Obviously people process losses differently, but they like, they were the team on record that went through that opening 25 games uh, last season. Like what are the indicators you're looking at? If those two things get corrected at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Well, I mean, down the stretch, I saw more of that once Boudreaux arrived where, especially late in the season, where they, they were at a point where they basically needed to win every game. And if they would have the occasional deflating loss or a game where things didn't go well for them and, and you know some of the guys would come out to the podium afterwards, you could see how deflated they were because of how much the, the belief in themselves had been restored by the success they had down the stretch. So, you know, I think they can, they can grab some of that again. Although, you know, trying to carry momentum over from a, a season that ended, mm-hmm. you know, half a year ago is, is going to be difficult. But I would imagine that's a big part of, of Boudreaux's emphasis going into training camp as well. I heard Ian McIntyre talking about this on the morning show that, you know, he's going to come in preaching positivity and trying to convince these guys that actually there is some positive momentum left over from last season. And, you know, if they can get that winning feeling again early, you know, Horvat talked about that too, about, you know, having the confidence and self-belief that you're going to win on any given night. We saw that from this team down the stretch. So they have to find that again, and they've got to find it early in the year. Well, looking at some of the, the potential battles or questions to be asked during training camp, and I think you look at the defense, you say, there's a bunch of bodies there. There's a, a lot of players that could make an impact, but the makeup of the defense, especially that first pair, and there was a hint by Rutherford that Quinn Hughes is open to playing the right-hand side. He wouldn't mind experimenting on that side. Do you like the idea of an OEL and Quinn Hughes tandem? I do. Um, I, I don't think it's as simple as saying that you move Quinn Hughes to the right side mm-hmm. and all of your problems are solved because then – you know, either Jack Rathbone or, or Travis Dermott has to become a top four left shot defenseman in that scenario. So it's not like it would cure all of their problems, but uh, an Ekman Larson Hughes pairing, if you can have it on the ice a lot, 
could help cover up some of the, the issues they have with defensive depth. But, you know, in order for that to be successful, you're going to want to be playing those guys upwards of 25, 26, 27 minutes a night, maybe like, you know, Quinn Hughes has already sort of trended towards being near one of the, the league leaders in terms of ice time per game. Uh, so, you know, you'd, you'd have to lean on those guys pretty heavily just because if you take them off a pairing, then your second pairing is, is really downgraded if you're playing them both together. So I, I like that it's an option anyway, because I think, you know, strengthening that right side is, is important. Being able to take a guy like Quinn Hughes and understand that you can use him on a pairing like Ekman Lar- on a pairing with a guy like Ekman Larson and try to get the most out of your top two defensemen. I, I do like that idea. I just don't know if it's something they'll be able to do game in, game out all season long, because then I look at that second pairing and, you know, let's say it's Travis Dermott and Tyler Myers. Like that's a, that's a serviceable pairing, but you know, is it realistic to expect those guys to play a ton of minutes together and, and be relied upon, importantly defensively I'm not entirely sure so I'll be very interested to see how they start camp with the pairings and whether they have to tweak uh, if they decide that that Hughes needs to stay on the left side after all in a scenario that develops like that where Quinn Hughes is playing on the right side and, and to your point they load up a pairing whether it's with OEL or something else do you foresee just his five-on-five five minutes kind of skyrocketing? Because I, I look at that Danny DeKaiser PTO, and it, it's not a full signing or anything like that, but I just wonder if they're looking at that and saying, hey, this is a PK body. Can we get less minutes from Quinn Hughes on the PK so we can utilize him elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I just think he's such an important player to them right now that they almost have to play him in all situations. And, um, and, and that's why I worry a little bit about moving him to the right side at five on five anyway, because you know, there, there's only so many minutes you're going to be able to play him. If he's going to be your top power play quarterback and you're going to rely on him on the PK too. Now, you know, may, maybe they feel like they can move away from having him on the PK. That would certainly uh, allow him to play more at five on five, which I think would be a good thing for this team. But at the same time, this is a penalty kill that's coming off being one of the worst in the league last year. And, you know, there are some, some changes to personnel up front with Lazar and Mikheyev coming in, but it's, it's not necessarily like those guys are going to cure all of the problems that this PK had overnight. So I can see it going both ways, I guess is, is the short way of, of, of saying what I'm thinking as I, I sort of work through this, and workshop it with you live on the air right now. But, you know, the, the fact that they have these options, I think, is good because if they decide that they're going to need Hughes on the right side and they're going to need him more at five-on-five, five, then signing a guy like DeKaiser, who has that penalty kill experience, although he's, you know, much closer to the end of his career than he is to the start, might be a way to, to cover up some of those minutes to a certain extent. Um but at the same time, you know, can DeKaiser give you enough at five-on-five five that he's a guy that you feel confident putting in the lineup every night? I'm not entirely sure about that either. So there's lots of questions 
when it comes to how they're going to deploy Hughes and, and what it means for the rest of the blue line. We were talking about this the last hour. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Did, you know, it's often thought that the Canucks, if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to get a top three spot in the Pacific. However, if you look at the Central, there's some teams that maybe have potentially lost a step there. Do you think a wild card spot is possible? Do you think the Central has gotten a little weaker? Because at first glance, a couple of those teams, maybe Dallas, maybe Minnesota, are not the same teams from last year. Yeah, you know, I think of the Central as being a pretty top-heavy division where, you know, you know what the Avalanche are going to be. You know, St. Louis is always a factor. Minnesota, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how they trend over the next few years. Um, You know, they don't have Fiala now. Uh, They've got, you know, those contracts that they bought out are going to affect their cap. So, you know, they could be less and less of a factor as, as things go forward here. I think a wild card spot is reasonable. What I don't think is reasonable to expect is that five teams from the Pacific Division make the playoffs. And that's where, you know, in looking at, at the Canucks and where they fall in in the playoff conversation, they are absolutely a good enough team to make the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. That should be the expectation this year. And anything less than that, you know, absolutely will be deemed a disappointment. But if you look at the teams around them in the Pacific, Calgary's not taking a step back, I don't think, with, you know, Huberto and Kadri coming in and, you know, the defensive prowess they've had. The Oilers, on paper, should be an improved team with Jack Campbell and Nett likely solidifying their crease. I find it hard to believe that Vegas will be as bad as they were last year Again, you know, certainly I wouldn't expect them to go through the same level of injury issues that they did. And the LA Kings were an upstart team last year that, um, that you know, I think surprised a lot of people in terms of where they're at in their progression as a club. So those are four teams in the Pacific Division that I just listed that you could very realistically see being in a playoff spot. And the Canucks are another team that you could very realistically see being in a playoff spot. So to me... They have to have a better year than at least one of those other teams. And if they can do that, then I could absolutely see them getting a wild card. I don't think it's uh, a foregone conclusion that it's going to be three teams out of the Pacific and five out of the Central. Talking to Brendan Batchelor here, voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, so to, to get to that stage, we were kind of talking about it earlier. Like, What is the thing that has to happen? Uh, we were looking at teams that could regress Dallas's you know, transition from going from defense to offense? Can they get enough uh, from their offensive group to kind of stabilize uh, what they think they can become? And the thing that we were talking about was Vancouver was, can they institute a certain level of structure that, you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford wanted? Is that the thing they, they look at and say, if they're going to make a step and really get to that playoff spot or become one of the three Pacific Division seeds, is that the thing that stands out for you that Vancouver has to do? Yeah, they have to be a team that doesn't rely on Thatcher Demko as much as they did last year to help them win games. And, you know, we say it all the time when we talk about this through the year, especially if we're talking after, uh, you know, a game where Demko has, you know, stolen it for them, that, you know, you don't apologize for having a good goaltender. And the Canucks certainly shouldn't apologize for having Thatcher Demko. But I, I just wonder about the, you know, talking about, Bo Horvat talked about consistency, right? Bringing it every night, being a team that you feel you can win any game you're going into. Well, a good way to do that is to not overwork your goaltender, which means being better defensively, 
spending less time in your own zone. You know, is it reasonable to expect not just Thatcher Demko, but any goaltender to play to the level that he did for them last season, year in, year out, game in, game out, with the the number of high quality chances that he was facing, I don't think it's I don't think it would be realistic to ask any goaltender in the NHL right now to to play in that sort of a scenario. So, um, you know, Demko is going to give them a chance to win on a lot of nights, but at the same time, they need to help him a lot more too, so that he can be a better factor for them throughout the year, so that they're not overworking him, so that he's not having to be Superman and put the whole team on his back just to get them into the playoffs. Absolutely. They, they have to be better defensively. They have to transition the puck better. And because there haven't really been any material changes in personnel on that blue line systems are the one thing that you have to look to and say, okay, can you get these guys playing in a structure where they can become more than, you know, the individual parts that are on that blue line. Cause I think over the last few years we've seen although they were much better defensively after Boudreau arrived last year, that, you know, the, the way they played hasn't been sustainable. Now, to a certain extent, Demko's play, even when they improved defensively last year, covered over some of the cracks. So that, I would imagine, has to be a high priority for Boudreau, is making his team staunch defensively, not just with the defenders, but as a five-man unit on the ice, so that it's not, wow, Thatcher Demko saved our bacon again tonight, you know, countless times throughout the season, because if, if they do have to rely on him that much, eventually he's going to get exhausted. He's going to get tired. He's not going to be able to perform at that level or heaven forbid, he's going to get injured and then you're not going to have it. They have to be better defensively in front of Demko if they want to take that next step this year. Hey, Batch, appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, boys. Thank you. Brendan Batchelor at Batch Hockey on Twitter. Also huge WWE fan. Uh, next time we have him on, I'm going to ask him if he's going to go to the WWE on September 24th because Absolutely. the first Canucks preseason game is on the 25th. Right before the season begins, perhaps. Last chance. Did we announce Don't At We Winner? We have not. All right, let's get to it. That's right. We're going to give it to i got to find it here, Vic. you got to give me a little bit oh, of Okay, sorry. Uh, the winner is, go- is going to uh, pick up a pair of tickets to the Vancouver Canadiens playoff game this Friday at the Nat. First pitch is at 7.05. We got all your submissions uh, through the break, and we uh, did manage to pick one during the break. Yeah, That's right. And the winner is... I'm glad you guys were so in sync on that. Hudge in Aldergrove with this. Don't at me. You won't see any 12 jerseys in Vancouver after this season. Hashtag... Empty the wagon. Are we sure? He's saying after the season, though. So during the season, still on board, though. Yeah. I think City Hall is still going to raise that flag. The, the season could be over tonight. <laughs> and the reason I like this one is because, A, I think the very much, very much the same thing. And also, we had a reaction come in on the text line. People did not like that. Some people agreed. Meanwhile, Jay texted in. Don't be silly. They will always have 12s in Vancouver. Always have been. Most of us aren't bandwagon jumpers like your texture implied. So you got the people going, Hudge did. We always like that with Don't At Me. That's the point of Don't At Me. 650-650. We'll do it again tomorrow with a lot of your great submissions coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Always putting great work. Big shout out to Dom Shamati, Randeep Janda, and of course you, the people in the people's show. We got one text here from Marcus and Gibson saying, good show today, gents. One more Let's Ride sound before we leave. 
Let's ride. Let's ride. Game kicking off in about an hour and a half. Enjoy it tonight. Blue Jays are on the way versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, The People Show, out of here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.